when the dominant stories become put downs and divisiveness and everybody who doesn't agree with me is the enemy, that's not a recipe for a society that can cooperate to really stand up to the challenges that we all face in a competitive economy, in a changing world. So we, we have to be able to cooperate and work together. And that's hard if we're always arguing. Greetings and welcome to the Kindness Chronicles. We hope to inject the world with a dose of the Minnesota nice that it seems to desperately need. My name is Kevin Gord, but the real host of the show is the man to my right, John Schweitz. Yeah, the man to your right, the host of the show. Um, but the star of this show yes. is my old pal, Dr. Dave Walsh. Dr. Dave... Oh, John, so nice to be talking with you again. Welcome. Good to uh, to Thank hear you. from you. So, and those, nice to meet you, Kevin. Yeah, nice to meet you. Your voice is very familiar to me, and we're going to get into the bio, and it's fun to put the whole thing together yeah. here. For those of you that don't know, Dr. Dave is an award-winning psychologist, best-selling author, and international speaker. In 1995, he founded the internationally renowned National Institute on Media and the Family, and that's where I met Dr. Dave. He led that until 2010 when he founded Mind Positive Parenting, which was created to translate cutting-edge brain science to everyday practice for parents, teachers, and other professionals. He's an author. He's written a a number of books, 10 books, I believe, including the national bestsellers, Why Do They Act That Way? A Survival Guide to the Adolescent Brain for You and Your Teens, which is one, uh, if you have teenage children, I highly recommend it. And know why kids of all ages need to hear it and ways parents can say it, which is a book that my children hated as they were growing up. (laughs) Um, He's been a frequent guest on national radio and television programs. He's been on the Today Show, Good Morning America, the CBS Early Morning Show, Dateline, 2020, you name it. He's also testified a number of times before Congress and has served as a consultant to the World Health Organization. And... uh, how did we get Dr. Dave? This is exciting. For this, the is exciting. this is exciting. This is a watermark. It is my pleasure and my honor. So, Dr. Dave, I did not yeah. mention what you're up to these days. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your new venture? Yeah. Thanks, John. And let me reiterate my thanks for having uh, Thanks to both of you for inviting me. The latest venture is called Spark and Stitch Institute. You mentioned mind-positive parenting. Well, my daughter, Erin, who is much more uh, talented and skilled than I ever was. I would agree. uh, Yeah, yeah. uh, She has really become much more active. And as we kind of uh, hand off the traditional baton from one generation to the next, it was time to rebrand. And so we are now the Spark and Stitch Institute. Aaron and I working together, and um, our mission is is to really, you know, kind of spark uh, courageous and kind kids, you know, uh, relative to our conversation today. I think all of us, everyone interested in kids who is listening to your podcast, and I'm sure that includes everyone listening. Everyone, uh, you yes. know, we we want our kids to grow up healthy. We want them to be successful. We also want them to be able to function really well in a society with other people, form good, strong relationships, perhaps one day if they choose to become parents themselves to raise the next generation. And it's got a lot of challenges in our culture today. There have always been challenges. It's not like challenges are new. 
but there are some unique challenges that we've got in our culture today that make the parenting job a little bit more difficult. I often think that my parents had a little bit easier. Well, they um, had you, so it had to be much easier. <laughs> if my brother Kevin is listening to this, and he may very well be, yeah, you know, I was always the, in quotes, good kid. I'm just kidding. And he was the mischievous rascal. <laughs> Every but family has one. Every family has one, <laughs> for sure. Well, if he were in the interview, he would reverse that. But at any rate, I, I really do think it's not that my parents and the parents of her generation were better parents, because I think today's parents are every bit as committed as ever to raising good, strong, successful kids. But I think it is a little bit more difficult. Um, and I, I think part of it is is that uh, parents of previous generations often had a culture that supported and reinforced a lot of what they were trying to do, whereas today's parents sometimes feel like they're having to battle against the tide. I know we're going to be, I, I, I know that what's so important to the two of you and the work that you're doing is how do we promote kindness? I, I think everyone would agree that that is something very, very important for a highly functioning society. Uh, and yet, as, as we try to raise a generation of kids who can practice kindness, cooperation with everyone else, um, it, a lot of times it feels like kind of an uphill battle. One of the things that you have said, one of my favorite Dr. Dave-isms, as we call them, hmm. is whoever tells the stories define the culture. And right yeah. now, clearly yeah. we have a culture that seems to be dominated by divisiveness. And yep. obviously social media plays a significant role in that. And I think you were the one that once said that we need to be in a world, or maybe it wasn't you, but we're going to give you credit because I think it's pretty clever. We need to help young people use social media as a productive tool as opposed to a destructive weapon. Was that yep. you? Yep. I, I, I don't know if I, that, that's a very good quote, so I doubt that it was me. Oh, please. Uh, I, I will, I will <laughs> but whoever said it, uh, said it very, very well. I will take credit, however, for the quote that you shared before that, which is whoever tells the stories defines the culture. We come from a very long line of storytellers. We, for millennia, we human beings have been telling one another stories. And those stories are important not just because they entertain, but because they really kind of reflect the kinds of values that we, uh, that we want to hold that as a society. And when the dominant stories become put-downs and divisiveness and everybody who doesn't agree with me is the enemy, that's not a recipe for a society that can cooperate to really stand up to the challenges that we all face in a competitive economy, in a changing world. So we, we have to be able to cooperate and work together. And that's hard if we're always arguing, fighting, productive discussions, productive debates. You know, John, you and I had our share of debates over the years, but I always enjoyed them because I knew that underneath that, there was always respect and friendship behind that. Absolutely. So even though we might, even though we might disagree about something, um, we could share that without worrying that our relationship was going to be damaged. Well, when we get into divisiveness and attacking and name-calling, those are the kinds of things that eat away at relationships, that eat away at the connective tissue 
that uh, kind of binds us together. And I think people love to debate, to your point, and I think throughout this pandemic, the scary thing is people have been so isolated. And so now all they've yep. had is an outlet is Facebook, is Twitter, is these yep. social media yep. avenues. And, you know, when John and I sat down and, and talked about really doing the Kindness Chronicles, we were to a point as fathers and seeing our kids who are involved, you know, at that age as teenagers and in college kids where social media is so much a part of their life, we've got to yep. change a little bit of the narrative and try to get messages out there of kindness. And you can still have debate and you can still tell stories. It doesn't always have to be so destructive. And I think right now, specifically coming out of this pandemic, we need this more than ever. I think, you know, you're, you're uh, well said, well said, Kevin, that's, you know, that's really true. He's high five in um, himself. <laughs> it's not true. I'd pull a muscle if I did that. <laughs> you know, um, one of the things that you know that I have been kind of paying a lot of attention to and studying now for, uh, you know, well over three decades is the impact of media and technology on uh, kids. Uh, not just kids, but all of us. But a lot of my focus has been the impact of media and, uh, and technology on uh, children and their development. And boy, you talk about things that have changed. You know, when I first started uh, taking a look at that, the medium that we talked about was television and maybe an occasional movie. Well, now it's social media, it's YouTube, it's, it's the internet, it's messaging, it's WhatsApp. TikTok, the list goes on and on. The, the revolution, um, giving, you know, all of these new ways to communicate, disseminate information and connect with one another are absolutely astounding. And I'm a big fan of them. It's not that, it's not that I'm against them, but I think it's for, what's very, very important to remember is that all of this technology that we're talking about is very, very powerful. The good or bad, really depends on how we use it. And so the same social media that can keep people, that has kept people connected during the pandemic, that has literally kept kids moving forward in their education, has depended on this technology for millions and millions of kids. And so the, that, that very technology that has been a lifesaver for us uh, also, of course, can be used for not very positive ways. And so the same technology that can strengthen kids' friendships can also be used to pick on what we call cyberbullying. Uh, and so, you know, it, it's a good example of how it's a two-edged sword. Uh, and so what we need to remember is that this, this technology is powerful, neither good nor bad. It all depends on how we use it. Yeah, and Dr. Dave, you were quite literally on the leading edge of this back in the mid-'90s when you... <laughs> established the National Institute on Media and the Family. You had a vision of what social media was really before social media was really anything. But you saw that it was coming. And I remember you used to talk about you you did some work for the ministries of education in South Korea and Japan. Yep. And yep. they were always a little ahead of the United States as far as the technology was concerned. And yep. could you have imagined just how it is the, the most important thing to a young person is their advice. Oh, absolutely. Abs absolutely. You know, and um, 
just a generation ago, there was no such thing as a device. John, uh, there's a study that came out probably about a year ago in which they asked teenagers, which which would be worse, a broken arm or losing your device? Oh, 50-50 split among the teenagers. Ouch. I'm surprised it was even 50-50. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. But it, it is an indication of how important these devices have become. And of course, now we slip them in our pocket and they're more powerful than the computers that sat on our desks 30 years ago. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, You know, as I started studying all of these things. One of the first projects that we undertook at the National Institute on Media and the Family was video games. Now, we issued a video game report card during the holiday shopping season, way back in 1995, because I realized that uh, a lot of the academics, a lot of the research, a lot of the advocates were paying attention to television. But what was really taking off was video games, and nobody was paying attention to them. And so we issued a video game report card in 1995. That tool, which we issued every year during the shopping season, actually had a big influence uh, on the industry itself. It was one of the things that, you know, that led to the ratings, and it was one of the things that led to uh, retailers not uh, selling adult games to kids. But when you think of video games that we were doing the report card about back in 1995, and then you think about multiplayer online virtual reality games that we're talking about today, it's like a whole different world. And the technology, as we studied it, we knew that it was going to keep changing, getting more and more powerful all the time. And John and Kevin, that's not going to slow down. That's no. going to continue uh, to be the to be the case. And it was an eye opener for me. You mentioned my work with the uh, Ministry of Education in South Korea, and that was a real eye opener to me. My first visit there, when I realized that I thought, you know, that we Americans were the technology leaders because we we had the powerful companies that were based here, Microsoft and Apple, and all the technology leading companies. Well, that might be true, but what I found out when I got to South Korea is that they were quite a bit ahead of us. Uh, they had high-speed broadband way before we did. And so you could start to see some of the potential, of course, and also some of the problems. I remember participating in a, a conference on video and compu- a video game and Internet addiction. Oh, boy. And uh, I, I was the American representative to this international group of people looking at this. And I remember the first thing out of my mouth was, well, you know, in the United States, now this was years ago, the, the word addiction is kind of controversial. A lot of people don't think it's really an addiction. And so, you know, we're kind of careful about that term. And I still remember uh, a fellow psychologist from the uh, leading university in South Korea looked at me and he said, Dr. Walsh, well, those do respect. If it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, <laughs> it's, it's a duck. It's a duck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, and uh, it's it's powerful stuff. It's powerful technology. Facebook has become it, what I find fascinating about mm-hmm. Facebook mm-hmm. is we refer to the people that we're connected with on Facebook as friends. Yep, and mm-hmm. yep. never in the history of social media were friends in quotation marks more uh, were those friendships strained than in the last election 
period. And we're not oh. going to get into politics because we've made no. a, a, no. a we've we've we made a, a commitment that, that we're not yeah. going to talk about that. But yep. one of the one of yep. the things that I've done, Doctor Dave, is I have deputized myself, and uh, anybody that's a quote unquote Facebook friend of mine will know that anytime I encounter something that I consider a divisive, particularly political comment, I don't respond with anything but the police officer icon. So I will mm-hmm. my my mm-hmm. I will make a comment with that police officer icon and people have now been looking forward to it. It's like if they don't get yep. the police officer icon, I'm not paying attention to them. But honestly, yep. Facebook is meant to be with your friends. And right. it's, it's meant to be lighthearted right. fun. It like, should be. It, it, it got over yep. the top. But again, and I think people have been in a place where they haven't had a chance to really be social, right? We've been on lockdown here yep. for almost 12 months, and people are looking for outlets. And sometimes, unfortunately, they want to take it to the next level. And that's what social media slash Facebook can do. And it, it is so divisive. And I, I'm, I'm looking forward to the next calendar year where we all come back together and get away from some of that. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Dave, Dave, we could do a whole uh, series with you because you've got so many different things that, uh, you know, for example, I just have to mention, you know, you wrote a book called No, Why Kids of All Ages mm-hmm. Need to Hear It and Ways Parents Can Say It. And uh, once upon a time, uh, my uh, family and I were the poster children for your book, No. In fact, I think Care <laughs> 11 followed us through a Target store and watched yep. me uh, managing children who clearly I am Santa Claus and I had a difficult time saying no to my kids. But my kids would say, when I would say no to them, especially Ben, and Kevin, you know Ben. I love Ben. He go, oh, you're talking to that Dr. Dave guy again. <laughs> so, <laughs> you were the bad guy, Dr. You, Dave. I, and what was nice is, Good cop, bad cop. I would say yes, but Dr. Dave says no. I love it. You used it. So for the the parents of today, Dr. Dave, just getting through this pandemic, can you give us a little advice as to how we might navigate the next 6 to 12 months as we go from online world to hopefully in real life again? As we take the baby steps back to normal and hopefully the light at the end of the tunnel that we see keeps getting brighter and brighter. Let, let's hope that that's the case. You know, I think that the technology that we've talked about um, really um, has been a lifesaver during the pandemic. It's allowed education to continue. It's allowed people to find out where they might be able to get that all-important vac- uh, vaccination shot. Uh, but I think as we come out of the pandemic, we probably need to kind of uh, take a look at, uh, you know, not just how we're using it, but how much we're using it, um, because we really need to put some guardrails up. One of the uh, things um, that's very, very important that I always tell parents about children's brain development is that if you if you want to summarize everything we know about the growing brain, it's pretty simple. Whatever the brain does a lot of is what the brain gets good at, uh, whether that's kindness, whether that's disrespect, whether that's perseverance, whatever the brain does a lot of is what the brain gets good at. And so that becomes the real job of us, uh, you know, uh, for all of us, as we try to raise a generation of 
of kind kids. And, you know, we don't, um, we don't develop face-to-face relationships on automatic pilot. We, we might have thought we did. But what we now know in terms of the technology, for example, is that uh, kids who overuse uh, technology, they're starting to show a deficit in face-to-face communication skills. Why? Because they're not getting practice. So I think one of the big challenges, John and Kevin, as we move out of the pandemic is getting the technology in a place where it's a tool to help us and not a tool that kind of controls us. And so that I think is going to be one of the one of the big challenges. And I think you make a great point. There are more than a few stories about the role that social media has played in some really bad things. But as you've mm-hmm. described, social media has also played a role. It can be one of the most powerful things that are disposal when you think about the role that it has played in letting people know where they can get their vaccinations. And it's really, it is a double-edged sword. Dave, I think people ought to be more familiar with your organization. And tell us how we can find more about the work that you do. Sparkandstitchinstitute.com is is really the place. And I'll say it again, no, no space between the words spark and stitchinstitute.com. Yeah. So my daughter and I put out a, a blog every two weeks, and then there are online classes. There's all kinds of opportunities. If any people would like to immediately become part of that, just go to the uh, website and join us. One of the things that uh, I have been interested in, and my wife in particular, is you know what you provide is something that I think that employers would be very interested in having uh, their employees have access to. You talk about a, yep. a, a, yep. a a vehicle for helping parents navigate these difficult times, and they are difficult times. And yep. I know that you've got a series of different uh, different vehicles that help parents get through this. And I think that when they come out the other end, we'll be stronger than we are when we started. Yep. I'm glad you brought that up, John, because parents are really, really busy and uh, they need a lot of help. So, for example, we've been talking about technology. We have a whole online course just to give very uh, parents very, very practical, strategic things that they can do every day to make sure that the technology is working for the family and that it has a proper role. And we have been getting a very uh, positive response from uh, workers. We've got companies who are basically making sure that these courses are available to parents so that they can access it on their schedule when they've got some time. It's all, it's all easily accessible videos, easy to understand, uh, you know, worksheets, et cetera. If people, um, they can also text, if people are listening to this, they can text the word spark and stitch and text that to 66866. And that will immediately get you in touch with us and start to uh, learn more about some of the resources that we're trying to provide to uh, help parents in this very, very important job. See, there you go. Using technology as a productive tool as opposed to a destructive weapon. Way to go, Dr. Dave. Oh. And, I, and I will say this. Um, Dave's daughter, Erin. So, Dave, you've got three kids and how many grand? Six grandkids? Yep. Seven. 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 Oh, my yep. God. They just keep yep. multiplying. Yep. <laughs> Anyways, I have always thought that Dr. Dave was uh, was one of the finest, if not the finest, public speaker that I ever encountered until 
I got to see Erin yep. Walsh do her thing. And uh, yep. clearly the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. And uh, it might even be a little riper. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, well, I am, uh, I'm a very proud dad. Uh, and I think you're absolutely right, John. Um, I think she uh, she is not just taking oh, she's not just picking up the baton. She's taking it and um, going a lot faster. And, and your two lot, boys uh, are are they're not duds either. So you've uh, clearly <laughs> have practiced what you preach. My wife Monica and I were we are very fortunate, and now we're trying to help our kids with the next generation, those seven grandkids who we just really have a great time with. In fact, um, three of them will be uh, spending an overnight with us tonight. Oh, boy. Party oh, time. Yeah. Party time. Well, I want to thank you for uh, <laughs> just taking the time to, to be with us today. My my pleasure. And Dr. Dave, now, I hope- John, John and Kevin, you said a couple minutes ago, I'm, I'm going to hold you to this. You said a couple minutes ago, maybe we could come back and do some other visits about some other topics that we just barely touched on. So, I, I hope I hope we can do that. We well, you just put a great big bullseye on your back, and yeah, you're going to be our go-to we're guy. Take you up on that because you know, this was fabulous. And and seriously, all kidding aside, the, the kindness chronicles is meant to to be a, a place where we share some good stories and we bring people together and talk about solutions as opposed to talking about problems. But you know, to create those solutions, you got to talk about some of the problems. And I know that you. I mean, we quite literally could do this uh, on a very regular basis. So we're going to hold that to you, Dr. Dave. Looking forward to it. All right. Thank you. And uh, have fun with those little ones yeah, tonight. Enjoy your night. Okay. All right. Thanks, Dr. Bye-bye. Dave. Bye-bye. Yeah. Bye.